into the fire. Run. Run! Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast. And for you, Frodo Baggins, I give you the light of Arendil, our most beloved star. May it be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. Fantastic. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. If you haven't guessed from uh, Dan's little intro bit there, we will be talking about things spiderish later in the show. Um, so let's give you a bit of a rundown what we got coming up and then we'll get down to the normal chatter. So many meetings as usual. Uh, we will have a bit of a catch up and find out what we've been up to in terms of Middle Earth hobbying. Um, and then for our Council of Elrond today, we're going to be reviewing the taming of Schmeagel and Shalob's Lair scenarios from the new Quest of the Ringbearer book, and we'll be giving them the sort of treatment that we've we've done previously. So we'll look back at older editions um, of those um, scenarios or anything related to it. And we play the scenarios as well, so we'll be talking about our experiences playing them. Um, and then we have a heroic death match coming up, a special one, something to do with some new miniatures that are already recently out. Um, but that's about it then, so we're, let's take a little break and then we'll come back with many beatings. Incom Gaming, the new centre for tabletop wargaming in Gloucestershire. Visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs. We stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the UK. Market-leading gaming mats from GameMats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit IncomGaming.co.uk Income Gaming. Come game, shop, drink. So here we are. How are you, Dan? How's things? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Um, it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded this. To be, well, recorded this section, but it's only been a very short while since we recorded other sections. So, uh, you know, that wibbly-wobbly, timey-liney thing that we have going on. The, uh, getting behind the camera, so to speak. You really call it, you used to call it behind the music. Is it behind the podcast? <laughs> Well, we've planned out like six or seven episodes, haven't we? Almost into all the way up to the end of January now. And oh, I was, don't I was, let them know we plan it. It just doesn't make up for the poor quality. <laughs> and I was, I was opened up the notes today, and I was thinking, right, we've done the main segment. We've already recorded that. So, what am I talking about today? What have we done? And I had to go and look because we've planned so much, and I'm in the middle now of planning the stuff we're going to be playing this weekend over the internet for a show afterwards. And I thought I'm really going to need to just remind myself where we are in the timeline for real rather than where we are in the planning timeline so without, so we don't get it all confused but anyway sorry interrupting you no i mean one thing to be mentioned is it is uh, it's roughly nine o'clock in the evening on thursday the 29th of october so right about now steve and damien are previewing their new battle streams in middle earth content so we are missing this so that is how much we value what we do for this podcast. We're missing out on something really important for this, but we are going to watch it afterwards. And there may be a review of such things in coming episodes, but shout out to those boys. By the time you're listening to this, there'll definitely be something up and there's definitely something going on every other two, every other week on a Friday. So battle streams in Middle Earth, check them out. Mm, that's shout tomorrow out to you, as we're recording, isn't it? It is. It's battle screams in Middle Earth. I actually don't have anything Halloween or 
spooky related for that one because I got again. <laughs> seems I'm early on this kind of thing because I've done all my spooky stuff. I did contemplate actually buying the Castellans of Dolgodur. Yes, I don't need oh, them, cool. so I'm I'm just leaving that alone. <laughs> um, I have ordered some other bits to actually talk about hobby. I've um, ordered some more bits for my um, fantasy fellowship, uh, nice. which will be discussed more at length uh, in future episodes because we are going to cover this, but um, I've ordered some bits and pieces from uh, Games Workshop for that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not all of it's in stock, so I've had to sort of put some stuff to the side, but I've got bits to, to paint. Um, they're coming. I've uh, reread Quest of the Ringbearer. One, because we've been looking at the scenarios again and we're going to play some more this weekend. But two, it's a great book. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, obviously, I, I gave it a good read the first time we when I got hold of it, when we covered it. But, and you know, I didn't give it a proper intensive, you know, sit down and do nothing else kind of read. So I sat down and did that. And it's, you know, just as good as the first time I've read it. I'm very much enjoying that book. Um, I'm going to stand by it. It's the best book they've done for the game system and one of the best books GW's done in a very, very, very long time. So, you know, big shout out to all the people involved in that. Yes, yeah, I've been enjoying dipping back into it. I haven't reread it all the way through from start to, to finish, but I've been going back and dipping into the bits that are relevant to the, the shows we're, we're doing or planning or um, um, even just looking for what I need in terms of painting models and scenery and things. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a very, very good uh, resource. And it's, it's what I like is the fact it's encouraging me to not just do hobby for hobby's sake there's almost like a little bit of a, a goal to things which at the moment with the lack of events going on because of the way the world is at the moment it's nice to have a little direction yes absolutely. to have something to aim for which i you know i do appreciate because that's where i got a lot of my uh my gaming enthusiasm and my proactivity and um just general hobby buzz is getting prepped for something that i'm going to do to enjoy so that that's a really nice thing about it. It's almost like um, motivation in in a book, which I really enjoy. Yeah, but, uh, we were talking about that last last show. I think a little bit about saying that it's kind of replaced getting ready to do some of these scenarios for the show and painting bits and bobs and building scenery and stuff. It's kind of replaced that event prep kind of stuff that you would be doing to each quarter or maybe more, depending on how often you get to go away to events and stuff. You generally even building a list maybe adding some models to it here or there and because we're devoid of that at the moment this has filled that that gap really really nicely yeah absolutely and um yeah i I do have things going on in my gaming life you know um hands in the air time i've been uh, painting more stuff for my uh, 40k army because um i've touched upon this previously uh one of my one of my friends jamie he uh the venue he works at has a large amount of space, including outdoor space. So a few of us have been able to get together in game and the gaming group, uh, you know, my local is very much in a 40k frame of mind at the moment. So I've been painting that. And unfortunately yeah. there is only so much time for hobby. So uh, <laughs> that mate, is now done, which is good. Your plays 40k as well. So for you to play games and with someone in the, in the house, it, it makes sense for you to be doing those things as well. Yeah. It's um, the people I, predominantly play Lord of the Rings with um, are part of the local gaming group, which I haven't been going down to uh, of late. Yeah. Um, You know, that's that in terms of the geographical local, not necessarily my, there's sort of a group of us who are sort of a subsect of that, who have been doing some uh, mainly 40 K gaming and we've been playing other games like Necromunda for those who, who know some of the other GW game systems. 
Um, and a lot of the way I'm planning my hobby and getting geared up for gaming is related to just, you know, what's going on in that particular small group because we have the opportunity to game more often than we would in any other situation. So my hobby is steered by that, yeah. which in some ways is annoying because I'd rather be painting <laughs> my fancy fellowship than painting ridiculous tanks that are dressed up as cathedrals, <laughs> uh, especially because that particular model is completely painting the bond to paint. But that's that's what I've been doing. Um, I'm looking forward to get back to doing some Middle Earth. Um, obviously, got my fancy fellowship, and that gives me the opportunity to do a bit more character painting, a little bit more lavish with my painting. I don't have to necessarily do it quite so, uh, you know, gaming standard. I can put a little bit more effort in, like I did with my uh, Dogwood stuff, which I really yeah. enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. So it's really nice to be able to focus on just a few, a handful of models. A small, a small amount is is. There's just no pressure on you, uh, even when, even though I only sort of spent two to two to four hours, I suppose, on each of my fellowship. And I mentioned this before as well, so very boring. But it's it's nice knowing that you've only got nine to do. It's it is no more. It's not a case of well, I've done all the heroes now. <laughs> Here come the ranks of stuff. It's nice just to just to enjoy doing those little bits and bobs. And it's like that with the with the other little bits I've been painting recently, really. Yeah, I mean, you, you've evidently enjoyed what you've been up to because it's kept your momentum up. And yeah, uh, you know, sometimes I wake up in the morning and there'll be a, a notification that uh, you, you know you've painted X Y Z model. And uh, well done also for your shout out. Yeah. Was it the Hobby Roundup that's on um, Warhammer TV? Did oh, yeah, yeah. Pony yeah. go on there? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I, uh, I think we haven't talked about it. I don't know if I talked about it. So my, I think my fellowship went on the the community blog um, that Jay put together as well um, recently. So yeah, I've been. It's been nice recently. It's the first time any of my stuff's gone up on either of those things, as far as I'm aware. So yeah, it's a nice little, nice little nod. Well, I was going to widen the doors of the venue. But- <laughs> the event next year. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, I uh, the, no problems there with my head. There were a lot of very, very, very nice painted models also in those things, and uh, many better than mine. So, and no illusions. But it was really nice to have them have them noticed and go up there as well. And uh, Ben Bailey and um, who was he on with? On um, Nick said some very nice yes. things about it. So um, yeah, it was nice to see. Really good. It's cool. Yeah, well, he's lovely. He's, a, he's got a lovely paint job. It's in the uh, style you seem to have made very much your own. You, your models are recognisable for being yours, which is mm-hmm. nice. It's nice when someone has a style. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I suppose by doing stuff for work, it's developed a, a a style that's fairly kind of um, repeatable. Even though I've been using contrast for a lot of those, and I talk about that in a, well, I'll talk about it a little, little bit later when I talk about more I'm doing. But the way I've been using contrast recently as well as is hasn't really changed that style it's just sped up an earlier part of the process so to speak so um yeah the, the style's there because it's a it's a way of replicating something relatively quickly but still getting a, a semi-decent um standard and that's because of work really i can't afford yeah, it, I mean, so people I develop their own styles i can yeah. see your stuff a mile off to and then certainly for instance within the middle earth community yeah damien's got a very distinct style um and jeremy they both have uh you uh-huh. can sort of tell their stuff and yeah, I'd agree, yeah i'm not i don't know the some of the names of the communities as i know the other game systems i've been part of longer but there are certain people's stuff that um pops up and you think ah i think i've seen them do something and you actually look back and ah yes it was them so yeah, that's quite it's a nice thing. when you see people's style develop and you actually get to recognize people's work just from looking at it not just because of the name next to it yeah yeah i agree definitely but good 
Oh, good. Yeah, that's kind of uh, me. Um, we've had this discussion before. I'm not going to apologise for, for <laughs> not doing more hobby. Uh, life is what it is. As I'm very lucky compared to a lot of people. As people are going to be sitting there going, I've painted a half a Mario Goblin in the last 12 months. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, like, so, uh, b- b- before, yeah. before we started recording, I told Dan off for apologising. Um, for saying that you hadn't painted anything Middle Earth. That's not the point of us on many meetings, really. It's about just sort of talking about what we've been up to before we, we talk. You know, we're going to be, we've played some Middle Earth recently online. We're going to be playing some more on this Saturday, and it's a Thursday we're recording now. So we're playing some more. So we've got more content for a future show. We we talk and plan down to Red Crest the Ring Bear again. But I've been telling them off that he doesn't have to paint everything each fort, doesn't have to paint a new Middle Earth miniature each fortnight to uh, announce to you listeners um so uh he's been told um <laughs> he also plays you also play multiple systems and you enjoy them all uh, whereas i'm only playing middle earth now and i will be for the foreseeable in fact i can't really play anything else because i'm running minutes now i've been selling everything off um right it'd be more simple to play one game i'll tell you that much it'd be cheaper as well I, I i think i've said it before on the show that it's really nice playing multi-system sort of you know having but I just sort of end up switching between them too much or um, something new and shiny comes along. I just I, I quite like being really, really into one thing. It definitely keeps you more focused. Um, it means you get stuff done. I, I've just, I, if I play too many games, I will try and paint too many different things and I'll never fully paint anything and then I won't be able to play any games. I've got too many things going on. That's what I found last time I had multiple systems on the go. There was always one that kind of overshadows everything else anyway massively um so it's quite hard to kind of have those side things so i'm I'm planning on on keeping it this way um who knows what will happen in the future if there's any future game releases and things that we don't know what's going to come out but uh, i can't see me um getting back into another main system you know this is Lord of the rings is my my main fantasy love for pretty much my whole life as a as a as a nerd which is get back to sort of seven or eight years old so i imagine this is here for for good um but anyway what have i done um well we painted bill the pony as um as we've talked about, I painted um, Harry Goatleaf and Barlaman now, so they've all been shared. People that are on our social media will have seen them. Um, thanks to the people who have been joining as well. We've got quite a few new people joining our social media recently and, and things. It's really good to see more and more people posting up in there. But I've painted those. I've been, uh, I did a video for, for um, Harry Goatleaf, which was interesting. So I wanted to put more videos up for our uh, YouTube channel, and I thought, well, I've never done a painting video before let's give it a go and i quite enjoyed doing it it didn't add too much time to the overall paint i think it took took me four hours to film overall i wasn't filming for four hours but four hours from sitting down and and to to the end once i've kind of plugged my camera into the the computer to, to upload the video um the actual painting time was probably a couple of hours because there's bits of drying time in the middle and things when I popped around and did other stuff. So it proved a point that I could do it without it kind of stopping me from finishing a model in an evening. Um, I need to work on camera settings. So this is a call to uh, people out there that know are very good at setting up um, digital cameras with um, what kind of settings you'd recommend for having it down on a desk where it, getting that focus right because um, the autofocus, those of you that have seen the video, the autofocus does play around a little bit um until the end when i'm um sort of turning them around with a with a with a backdrop there it seemed to focus a lot better so i don't know if it's the green cutting mat that causes issues with it or just focusing on my fingers i don't know what it was but i need to find a way of um stopping the autofocus playing around it might be that i need to buy a, a different kind of lens for it 
Um, but um, yeah, people that are good on video stuff. I'm all right on tech, but I'm never a master, and I'm too lazy to spend hours and hours and hours reading, reading, reading loads of stuff to get it right. I just want things to work. So I'm somewhere in the middle of, I'm not completely stupid, but I also am a little bit lazy, so I want someone to come along and go, set your ISO at this, set your, set your this at that, and, and, and um, I'll do it and give it a go. So um, yeah, hit me up if you know what you're talking about with those kind of things, and don't mind talking to someone a bit stupid. Um, so what else? We've been basically been working towards the scenarios that we're going to be playing. So I've already touched on that when I was interrupting you earlier, Dan. But I've been building and and, and painting scenery for those. So I've been building a couple of foreground buildings. I've got, I've got some extra stuff actually. So for Brie, I ordered a. They've got a little gatehouse and a couple of little walls. I wanted a gatehouse for um, for Harry, even though it's right on the edge of the board. I built something that we can. <laughs> When we set it up, it's going to be set back a few inches just so it looks right. It just just didn't like that being set on the edge of the board on the layout. It just seems it's got to look right. So I bought this tiny tiny little gatehouse thing, and a couple of walls with it. Um, and then I bought um, I bought a like a wooden latrine and a wooden toilet thing, which I haven't fitted the toilet in. So that, that's <laughs> going to be the um, the kennel for um, for um, for maggots' dogs. Um, and you know, and for for other scenarios, it'll just be a little house or something like that. But it's just, it's just, it's time. I'm painting miniatures. I'm doing painting for work. And as much as I want to scratch build all this scenery, um, unlike Damien, who's going to spend sort of two, three years going through every scenario, essentially, we're not. We're going to probably end up doing eight, ten out of the the twenty eight, aren't we? I imagine something like that. Um, we may dip back and, and do other things, but I imagine that by the end of January we will have finished our our kind of deeper delve into this book. And it doesn't mean we won't dip back and do another scenario from the book. We might skip to something else. We might pick a scenario from another book. Um, we're just not, we're not kind of going through one by one because that wouldn't be very interesting to hear all in audio. So we're kind of just nip it, dipping into stuff that we can do on, online and play some good games. So. Yeah, anyway. I think that's the biggest part of it. It's what we can feasibly get away with with our current situation because some that's of the right. large scenarios also aren't feasible. No, it's they're, they're not. So we're kind of we're kind of dipping into it, having some fun with it, making sure that it's something that we can present in an audio format to you in terms of review, and or and not just spending the next twelve months reviewing each. Reviewing each kind of scenario, which would be boring as well. So we're going to be, you know, we are going to be covering some of it as we are in this show, but. It's, it's, it's you're not going to get this for this and every show until the book's done. It, we, you know, we will be moving on to other things, um, and 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 talking about other things other than just this book as well. So we'll be mixing around a little bit. But anyway, I built, I bought those couple of things. I bought another couple of houses, um, just to bolster up my brick. I realised I only had two foreground houses. Um, if the people that don't know what foreground are, they um, they're MDF buildings. Very high quality, pre-coloured, but really nicely pre-coloured. So you have sort of multiple layers of coloured inside as well. You can remove the the roofs and things, the doors open on hinges. They're really, really, really nice. Um, and again, it's just the, t- the time-saving thing for me. Um, and then, you know, they're not cheap, but they're also not ridiculously expensive. The smaller houses are around the sort of the £20 mark and the, the middle-sized ones are, you know, maybe 40 or something like that. It's no more expensive than buying a GW kit and painting it, so to speak. But they, you know, once you've built them, they're done. Um, so I've got like five buildings now, and then I bought a big um, inn, which isn't by Foreground, but it's very similar. It's a pre-coloured. I think it's made by Tier Tier War Gaming. Got on eBay, and that's my um, sort of proxy prancing pony. So I've got got those 
all set out, ready to go. Um, and then I bought some... Prancing proxy. Prancing proxy, yeah. Um, I've got some... I bought some pre-made roads from, from a seller on eBay and then kind of repainted them and stuck lots more flock down and mud and things like that. And they were going to be the roads for Brie on one of the plain green mats I've got. And then I saw... It's really funny. I was flicking, actually flicking through the Facebook chat for um, the Patreons for Battle Streams. Um, oh, Mark's Mark table. Green Tree's table. Yeah, yeah. You, I haven't even talked to you about this, and you knew exactly where I was going. Obviously, full with with lots and lots of money's worth of um, foreground buildings and a mat with the streets on. And I just thought, uh, I've got one mat with some streets on, but it's. You know, it's quite light stone and light grass. It's not really my, you know, it's not really slightly damp and grimy and and dull green of 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 brie. So uh, okay, that won't really work. And then I'm using that map for another table anyway because I'm a bit OCD. So I've got these really useful boxes with all the scenery for one themed table with a label on it, and I know which map goes with each table, which is going to be great for the event, but they're going to be like that anyway, because I'm a bit weird. Um, <laughs> no, don't take that from that box. No, I go back in that box now. Um, but um, So I got another map that arrived today. Um, I actually deliberately bought a 6x4 and cut, cut it down to 4x4, four four. Um, and then I've cut the remaining 2x4 two into two small 2x2 two two boards, because I'm trying to build in a collection of little 2x2 two two, two two mats that I can sling out in the, in the evening of um, of like events and things, so people can have little fun small clashes or little fun sort of... Um, maybe a battle companies games or something like that but anyway um so i've bought another mat for it <laughs> which was i've sold some stuff i sold an army um on ebay so i've been treating myself because i sold an army on ebay so i bought some mats for it and then i so bought which of your children are you moving out into the gardens make space for all this <laughs> luckily this stuff stuff goes in the garage and i've just there's big hooks and all these mats <laughs> but i've also ordered <laughs> for the uh, children <laughs> Yes, well, the way they've been behaving recently, yes. Um, I've also ordered three three more mats. While I was at it, I thought, oh, no, I'll, 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 uh, I, I got I got this kind of got this got this kind of plug, and I thought, right, well, I was look, started looking problem. back. Yeah, but I was looking back at Flotsam and Jetsam planning, and and I have ten tables fully done, and I had two more that are pretty much nearly there, and I just needed to. Um, add a mat or a certain little bit of scenery and i had two of those 10 tables we're using easy mat which is the railway stuff but the plastic back stuff i've talked about it before on the show um that i cut down and i thought well, they're okay but they're not mats mats they're not these neoprene ones that i like and i thought well i've just sold this army um none of the stockists in the uk got them on on and in stock and i was thinking well what's available let's have a look and um deep cut studios um just, i just i oh know i got them from urban mats i think in the end i think the one i got delivered today was deep cut and um um, urban mats maybe I can't remember but there's some more, there's three more mats on the way from somewhere in Eastern Europe um, so I have by the time that I've finished all these little bits of terrain I'm building now for this book I will have 12 fully themed tables that can be used for events as well each with a neoprene mat and it's matching terrain in a, in a really useful box so this is good news for, for future attendees of flotsam and jetsam anyway so even for the doubles i'll have more two more tables than i need for that and, and then with the singles side of things there's I'm, I'm, I'm building up um and i've got four more penciled in and then that is pretty much my i'm going to stop there that's my uh, that's my limit if i have four more planned in that aren't quest of the ring bearer related they're kind of future projects like i want to 
I want a Lake Town board kind of thing. Um, and I will, whether they get done for Flotsam and Jetsam or not, I don't know. But building my collection, that's the plan. <laughs> anyway, that's quite a large tangent from my own notes. But um, but yeah, I've just been been getting that. Um, oh, I've built, what else have I built? So I've got these, anyway, these, I tend, oh, this is awful. My The roads I made, which were going to be used for Brie, are now going to be used on my um, my Shire board, which didn't actually have any roads on it. It was just on some grass, so do with do with they can go into that so everything gets everything gets a home and gets tweaked um and boards that weren't meant to be made have been made well boards i say tables of senior that were meant to be future products have suddenly become realities because i've bought mats and i had to build some trees didn't i for the um for a buckleberry ferry one because i had i had some trees but I had some more already in a box, so I've been basing up trees, and I thought, well, I've got the river to go with it. Oh, this is just for this scenario, but that's actually quite a nice board, because I've put this hill here, and I've got this bit here, and I thought, oh, if I get another mat, which is one of the ones that are on the way, um, might not be in time for us playing at the weekend, but um, that will become a, it's going to become one of those, just by basing some trees up. So this is where I'm getting there. So it's with these, what were kind of loosely themed boards that I had for the for, for the event, and now being quite heavily themed um, sets of terrain with a corresponding map. So the weather top terrain will be, become part of a, a full four by four set that can be used for a, for a um, competitive play as well if you wanted to. So that's the way I'm going with it. But anyway, uh, what else have I done? I bought a Proxon um, hot phone cutter. I've had a cheaper one for, for years. And uh, I know I'm going to be cutting foam again very soon when I build Barnum's Tomb terrain. And I just thought, oh, I don't want to fight with the cheaper one. Um, pick up a Proxon. I do use it for work as well sometimes for, for doing stuff for bases for clients. So um, that's more of a business expense, but it's a nice business expense to have. Um, uh, I've picked up four metal Nazgul. I've been uh, scouring eBay and jumping on them when I can get them at a decent price, I think. And I think I've spent more than 13 on one so far. I can't remember how much they were before. I don't remember even if I know the price they were before, so someone can tell me how <coughs> expensive that's going to be. But judging on the price of things like um, Riders of the Dead, I don't think that's ridiculous. I wouldn't spend much more than that. I'd rather wait for... Oh, assuming there's going to be a future made to order for them it would be very strange if they wouldn't it's one of you it's one of the things you can probably have a pretty educated guess and put some money on that they will um come out to support this book but um i don't know when that will be for obvious reasons they're not able to kind of release things as they wanted so i've been scouring ebay when they when they when i can grab one i have so i've got three here one in the post and i've made two plastic ones as well from the spare so i got two plastic wraiths um from the star box um and i you get like a spare head and two different blades in them so the witch king one i've just cut a bit of the plastic way and used the one of the spare normal hooded heads and tied it up with green stuff and stuck a normal blade on and then the other the normal one i've just stuck the other blade on and um that's uh they've gone on plastic horses so i think i'll be up to six um, so nice. I need two more metal ones and then, well, I'm not even going to hope to find a mounted um, Witch King from from Lord of the Rings on eBay. If I did, it would probably be 100 quid or something. That's probably going to have to wait for a re-release, but we're getting there. At least I've got enough now for us to do, um, Buc- oh, it's not Buckleberry Ferry, is it? What are we doing in the future? I'm trying to think how many things we've planned. We need four, four. Oh, now it's got in Brie. There we go. Three or four for that, don't we? So I will have them. They're not painted yet, but I will have them for that. Um, 
else have I done? Oh, I built some fully built and primed the Moria I'm going to need for um, Banner's Tomb later, which which we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing Casadum as well. So I fully built and painted that, and then a few extra goblins, etc., as well, and an extra captain or two, so I can you. I think I can do up to eight hundred points using the legendary legion as well. So that becomes another army to use, um, and that's it. So it's, it's it's a lot, but also mainly sounds <laughs> like a lot because I've just been rabbiting on. Um, I think the other thing I just want to say is finished watching it last night. I don't have time to do it, but I watched um, Harry's um, interview with the Perry Twins on, on Battle Games in Middle Earth on his YouTube channel. But I can't imagine anyone wouldn't know about it, but if you listen to Harry on Emmoot podcast, he has a YouTube channel as well called Battle Games in Middle Earth. Not to be confused with other battle games in or battle streams in um, shows out there at the moment, but he um, he. he few months back he did an interview with Rick Priestley which is fantastic and he's returned and done a uh, really good interview with the Perry Twins it's an hour long it's just brilliant really great I regardless of it being Lord of the Rings you know I, I saw those guys photos in um, White Dwarfs as a kid um, so they were very familiar to me right at the start of my hobby nostalgia so to speak and they were the interview well they got great personality I love the way they finish each other's sentences and stuff it's really funny um, but they were, it was a great interview some nice insight and um, a really good watch for anyone who um, is interested in the beginnings of the game and, and the, the stories they got about being on set and meeting Peter Jackson and stuff it's just a really really good interview and Harry's done a fantastic job of it so if you haven't gone and watched that interview yet please go and do because it's fantastic fantastic but that's me i think i don't think i've missed missed anything off there i think um, but we we are pretty well set down for our next games um the two we're playing at the weekend we are everything is done and painted and ready and for nazgul and Bree, i do need to paint some mounted wraiths but uh, you know as i said i've got enough here already and then they're going to be quick paint jobs anyway so that's going to be my job next week or even starting this sunday on my next sort of free time in the evening to do some do some hobbying um one more thing before we before we go but news we have there's a there's an impending release isn't there we believe the coming soon which was oh the warbats the gundabad warbats which are frankly bloody awesome models i'm really really happy with those yeah they look they look really really cool so i'd painted two of the advanced hero quest bats which are diddy and tiny and funny and excuse me a bit weird in comparison but i painted a couple of those for when i started my azogs um legion stroke hunters list um so they will never they've never seen table use and i can't imagine they ever will now um i will probably um um give them to my son to play with but um yeah i'm good to be as soon as these guys go up i'm going to just get that one set i believe it looks like there's two in a set that's not the same hopefully that's not the same one from different angles i think it's two miniatures um, uh it's two by the looks of things i don't think the the basing the same on the, the yeah i'm pretty showing, sure so. it wasn't two. i did double check i was pretty sure it was it was it was two different ones so i, I probably only get the one set um i'm not don't know maybe maybe two maybe two uh, depending on how much they are but um they look how much you want to annoy your opponent yeah that's the thing it's that kind of balancey sort of thing um yeah i don't maybe in a large game you might have maybe one little bit i think in the little knock around lists that i made up when i was working at what i was painting um this was a long time ago it's a lot of releases and projects since then but and i haven't finished that project and it's very much on hold because of all the other stuff i'm i'm, I'm sort of involved in at the moment for this book and for the helm's deep game and then for 
Um, Throne of Skulls 2021 with the the Ents still. There's a lot of stuff that's well ahead of them on the list. Um, but at some point, I will get around to finishing off the. Um, I suppose it's the Hunter Orcs side of the list, really. So the the, the, the Hunter Orcs and Wargs and the ones I got and Bolg himself. But anyway, um, I will pick those up when they're released, whenever that is. I imagine it's not going to be too long if it comes up when the Warcom article where they're coming soon. Uh, I imagine that'll be fairly soon. So a nice surprise for everyone. I know it's one of the pro, one of the models, one of the profiles that's not had models for a long time that people have been calling out for. Um, and one of the, you know, see how many more there are from the Hobbit book. Actually, I know that the obviously the Signal Tower's not got a model, but that's something that's a little bit more unusual and large and um, one of those things that's cool for people to to convert. Um, but it's quite hard to to do that with bats really and find something appropriate. Um, and so you find people were using swarms, um, which then can be confused with swarms, or people are using um, AOS or fantasy stuff like I was. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be going to be cool to to see them. They look fantastic. I know not everyone's favourite thing from the films. Um, I've can detract myself from the thought of one leggy hanging from his leggies um, from from one of their <laughs> sets of leggies um, shooting at them. But um, aside from that, I thought they were quite cool. Um, they're just not maybe not a massive fan of that part of this, that scene. Um, but a better example of them's um, Radagast fleeing from Dogwood. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always, I, uh, there you go, and that's scarred by the the scene at the end that I forgot about that. But yeah, it's um, the, the models themselves are absolutely fantastic, and I've got no problems with the way they look. It's just that scene was a bit weird. But um, I think it's uh, a Neil sculpt, isn't it? I think so. I do believe so. Yeah. Uh, unsurprisingly, smashed it out of the park again with them. So they are um, yeah, really really cool, and uh, look forward to purchasing them. It's a really nice nice little surprise for everyone. I don't think anyone saw that coming, especially if it's not really quest related. Uh, so cool. Um, have you got anything else you'd like to add before we let these lovely people go? We say go, and then they get like a thirty second advert, and they have got to listen to us again. But we get to go after this. No, I mean uh, I think I've uh, waffled on as much as I can waffle at this point, <laughs> which is nowhere near as much waffling as I've just done. But on that note, we will take a break and we'll come back and we'll do our scenario review of Taming a Schmeagel and Shalob's Lair. The hour grows late, and bland of grey plastic comes seeking my counsel. You are sure of this, bland elf? Yes, the event is fully painted. It was in the event pack, under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, bland elf. The commission painter, we must be fully painted. When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I am now Surly Man of many colours. Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or contact us directly at miniaturerealmstudio at gmail.com. You have elected the way of paint. And we're here for another Council of Elrond. And we continue our foray into the quest for the Ringbearer book. Um, we've already mentioned that we're going to be covering quite a few of the scenarios as we're playing them. Um, and when we played 
um, those those six those six games um, online um, back in back in the beginning of October. Um, we played we played more than just the weather top, which we've already talked about. We played some more. So um, a couple more that we played were Taming of Schmeagle and Shalob's Lair. So we're going to turn that into a little segment today, a little discussion. Um, we're going to discuss our games, discuss the scenarios, and give them a kind of mini review, I suppose. But we're also going to look at um, go back in time a little bit and look at the previous incarnations of those scenarios because both of those appeared before in the journey books so we thought it'd be nice to kind of just get a little nod to the way they were presented in the journey books back then as well just to give a bit more context to it so um we're going to start with taming of schmiegel because i believe that's the order we played it in and it's also the i suppose narrative order of the two um so dan do you want to take us through or talk a little bit about the um the two towers journey book version of of tamish eagle yes quite possibly in my opinion the second greatest book they've released for the game system (laughs) i I do love these old journey books and the two towers one is particularly good um much like the movie is arguably the best of the three Uh um so yes uh we're looking at taming of smeagol which is scenario nine from the uh two towers lord of the Rings strategy battle game journey book so uh I'll, rather than going through the entire blurb, etc. So obviously it is the scenario of Smeagol sneaking up on the two unsuspecting hobbits in order to reclaim the ring. So the forces are as you'd imagine them. Frodo Baggins with Sting, Mithril Coat, uh, Elven Cloak, Sam Gamgee with Elven Cloak on the Force of Good, and Evil is Smeagol. So the board layout is 24-inch square, so I think it's similar to the... Uh, more modern version as well. Mm-hmm. So the good deployment zone is dead bang in the center. Evil deployment zone is again on the eastern table edge as you look at it. And then the objectives are the good side wins if Frodo and Sam can subdue Gollum and survive the scenario. Gollum thirsts solely for the one ring and the evil player wins if Gollum can slay the ring bearer. If Sam is slain but Frodo survives, the game is a draw. So pretty similar to uh, you know what, what we've been playing recently. So special rules, Gollum has completely uh, Smeagol is completely lost at the moment and Gollum has complete control. The two hobbits are fighting for their survival may strike blows against the Gollum as normal. So, subduing Gollum. Um, though Frodo and Sam are repulsed by the creature Gollum, they do not wish to kill him. In this scenario, Frodo and Sam wound Gollum as normal. However, if played as part of campaign, these wounds are automatically recovered after the game. Instead of being slain when he loses last wound, Gollum is considered subdued. Gollum has no such qualms, however, and Frodo and Sam's wounds are treated normally. So, again, much the same. Sting... Gollum has seen Sting before and rightly fears its power. Anytime Gollum loses a fight against Frodo, he must pass a courage test or he will surrender to the hobbits and counter subdued. Beginning to see a bit of a pattern here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, the sleeping rules are not normally played in this. You literally just play it like a straight game. However, they are added as a scenario note. Yes. So basically the same thing. Before moving Gollum, the controlling player must model D6, doubling the result if playing in centimetres. If the score is higher than the distance in inches, centimetres from Gollum to the Hobbits, or a six, and the Hobbits have been woken and may act normally from this point onwards, Gollum may, u- may use might to influence this role, whereas he can't in uh, Quest of the Ringbearer. So that that's added on as a bit of extra flavour if you want to, whereas in the more modern version it's played far more narratively, mm-hmm. and that's included as, as a baseline. Yeah. So points match if you wanted to uh, play it with models other than the ones provided in the scenario. Then uh, the good side for 150 points must include two good heroes, neither of which can have more than two wounds. And evil again, 150 points, must include a single evil hero with a points value roughly equal to the good side. 
So that could actually put in some pretty interesting little, uh, you know, scenarios. What what if a ring wraith caught up with uh, Frodo and Sam in the wilderness yes. when they were leaving uh, the Shire, for instance? You know, what happens if they didn't find Gildor and the elves? What yeah, happens if they point. were uh, sleeping in the bowl of a tree and a ring wraith sneaks up on them? <laughs> so there's, there's plenty of other options in there. And it's, again, one of those reasons I really, really love this particular book. Yes. I mean, it's all about that narrative flavor. It's a solid little scenario, isn't it? It's a um, nice little two by two board that the, the 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 layout is exactly what you need to right, kind of recreate it. So even like the starting position, so the, you say the guys are starting in the center. So I think it's, they've got to be um, within the three inches of the center of the board, and it yes. actually advises you to set them up near a rocky outcrop. So I suppose you could even kind of have that 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 scene of Gollum creeping vertically down if you if you move him over the rocks that way so it is, it's all set up to kind of completely recreate what was in the in the film if you want to i can't imagine not wanting to play it without the um the scenario note for the sleeping bit you know it's it's not, it's not a point match game anyway so i think that makes it makes it so much better um without it you can i don't know i think it, it you you means you start moving your hobbits straight away, don't doesn't you? And you kind of you can split them up and kind of I, I don't know. I think that maybe unbalances. I think you need that. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And as you see now, so I'm going to talk us through the new version and what we played, and um, you'll you'll see that uh, it's pretty much identical. Those of you that have got the book and read it yourself, you'll already know that, I imagine. So so the new version, the Taming of Schmeagol. Uh, so, when he left the fellowship on the banks of Amon Hen, it was Frodo's intent to travel to Mordor alone, so as not to watch his companions fall victim to the power of the ring, as he'd seen Boromir start to do. However, seeing his friend crossing the Anduin and guessing his intent, Sam has decided to wade out and go with Frodo to Mordor, and nothing Frodo can say will deter Sam from breaking his promise he made to Gandalf back in the Shire and accompany Frodo to the very end. Right then, so very much like Dan has just described for the for the older journey book version, it's a two by two board, um, and the board represents the rocky terrain of Emin Muir. Um, the starting positions, the good player deploys Frodo and Sam in the centre of the board, so they just said right centre here rather than the, the three-inch diameter, which you could in the older scenario. The evil player then deploys Schmeagel, though he is very much Gollum at this point, anywhere touching the eastern board edge. Um, objectives. Gollum has tracked the hobbits since Moria and now has the opportunity to strike and steal the ring. If they become aware of Gollum, the hobbits will try to subdue him. The good player wins if Gollum is subdued. The evil player wins if Gollum kills Frodo and reclaims the ring. If Gollum is subdued but Sam has been slain, the game is a draw. So, special rules, sleeping hobbits. So this is this is in it rather than optional. The hobbits are asleep as they are unaware of the creature sneaking upon them as they rest. The hobbits start the game prone and may not move until they are disturbed. As Gollum approaches, there are a chance he will wake the hobbits, roll a d6 before Gollum moves. If the number rolled is higher than the distance between him and the hobbits, or a 6 is rolled, he has disturbed them and the hobbits immediately stand up and act normally from this point onwards. If Gollum attacks a sleeping hobbit, the hobbits have been woken and may act normally from that point onwards and i think in the other the other ones you you could if you automatically win combat don't you if you um, attack a sleeping hobby um hmm. which is quite a difference actually and quite powerful <laughs> i mean yes. i mean you'd have to roll very luckily to get to the point where you've crept up on them and they're still asleep but actually um yeah that's that would have been quite powerful so i think that's a good change um stop something a little bit weird happening and a bit of a bad bit of a boring game um subduing goblin gob, goblin golem the hobbits 
are not trying to kill their attacker, but instead subdue him. If Gollum suffers his last wound, then he is subdued rather than slain. However, Gollum cares not for the well-being of hobbits, and he will try to kill them as normal. Sting. Gollum has accounted Sting before and rightfully fears it. Each time Gollum loses a fight against Frodo, he must make a courage test. If the test is failed, Gollum surrenders to the hobbits and is automatically subdued. And then the participants, as as exactly the same as the four Frodo baggers with Sting, Mithrilcoat and Elven Cloak. Samwise Gamgee with Elven Cloak. Um, evil Schmeagle. Um, so... Almost identical. Few little subtle changes. I think the the not you know not the, the adding the sleeping hobbits right in there's one change. Um, not having the uh, automatically winning a fight um, if the hobbits are sleeping. That's that's been removed. Um, other than that, I think it's pretty much identical. Maybe the the, the deployment bit been right on the centre rather than that little three inch circle but that's, like, that's absolutely minimal isn't it really um, but fun simple and fun and quick and we you know and that's you know, I think we found that when we played it really it was very easy to play it worked really well online as well didn't it with a camera pointing down it's simple enough yes. set up that we, we were able to play it remotely with you kind of just looking on a screen and telling me where to move move things and we tried it both ways now what do you remember from the game? Because um, I'm awful with games. Um, I don't remember things in as much detail. So we'll, we'll hopefully you remember a bit more than I did. Um, I'm trying to remember how the games went, but I think they were fairly straightforward. Yeah, generally try to be a bit sneaky, hold Gollum back. So uh, the last sort of turn before you come to it, jump, jumping on the hobbits, you uh, remain as far back with it as his, uh, obviously his charge range will allow, and then uh, hoping that the roll isn't too high for the following one. So... Obviously, yes. at least it gives you the ability to try and pick on one hobbit when it becomes aware before they can sort of gang up on you as two. So maybe try and pick one off or the other. Yes, it doesn't really specify who goes where. So you know, the county player would put Sam closer. Yeah, I can't remember what I did now. I think the first game I was with the hobbits, wasn't I? I think I was. Um, yes, this um, is one where we won one each, and, and yeah, obviously in the first game I I won. The pair, so which is most unlike me. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's close to a, a normal game. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, Maybe all your chicken, chickens will come home to roost when we finally have a proper <laughs> smash up on the board. Um, it was it was good fun. I wouldn't say there was little masses and masses of replayability, but it's fantastic as a part of a campaign or to do like we did. Wanted to play a few kind of few games in one day we so we played six games we played weather top twice we played this twice and we played the shalob's layer thing twice it was it was nice um and i think if we were chatting online and, and painting and we wanted to rec- play this it'd be easy to set up and quick to do but it's not it's not an event to go out of your way to do so to speak it's something you'll do along with some other things um but i can't really we remember. did talk about um like if you're running events like for the Saturday night, you could have a couple of tables with a diff- couple of these different scenarios on. Didn't we, we spoke yeah, about that? that would, people could just casually play them. That would be cool. I thought about that. And it's whether it might not, might not be something I'm promising for Flotsam and Jetsam next year, but it, it'll depend on how much stuff we could do. But it's always the idea of in the evening setting up a few tables preset with the models there. People can just go along, take their turns and, and read the scenario and, and, and play it. And I just think it's a nice little way of, nice little extra thing. Um, and that, obviously that works depending if, if you've got evening gaming on your event, which we may well do on the Saturday night for Flotsam and Jetsam. So it's not, 
might do it. Might might will do it. Might will set set a few little things up. We'll see how much space we've got and how much it messes around with the other terrain and things. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't really remember how the games went too well, to be honest with you, because they're so basic. You think you should remember them, but that is, I think it's kind of unrememberable because of it. Um, I mean, um, if you can try and pick off Sam first, mm-hmm. because obviously it's it's whether you've got Frodo in there with Sting, yeah. because you, if you lose the duel. Yes. You're automatically taking a courage test. Yes, yeah. And I, th- I, and I think that's what would normally happen most times, but I think it was just a matter of, um, yeah, dice rolling wasn't brilliant, was it, for, for either of us when we were controlling the, the hobbits. It was, But, yeah, it was good. It was nice and fun. We enjoyed playing the game, and, and we, played, we played Weathertop first. And this, I think we played Weathertop first, didn't we? Um, because that was the main, main reason we were kind of meeting up online so to speak but um you know we can over talk about it and i don't think there's much more to talk about if you know the scene from the film and you've got those models um then play it because you're you don't need much space um you don't need much terrain and it doesn't take much to represent some rocks and things um and just have a go with it have a lot of fun it's it could be really good for an intro game i think really good it's the kind of game i can see me getting jacob to play so jacob's six in a couple of weeks time um, or about a month's time. Um, so he's, you know, he's not going to play large games. He's still learning playing to play board games without flipping the table as a kid at the moment. So um, you want things to be basic, but he'll know the scene from the film, and it'll be if you've got three models on the table, and he knows who they all are. I can imagine saying you've been able to keep his attention for fifteen minutes while we sit and play it. So I think it's a good way to kind of maybe get kids and things into the game. Um, or just people who uh, love the films and and, and showing a little bit of interest in miniature wargaming, but don't really don't really know. I think it's a really good kind of um, way of showing the game off and showing the mechanics. Yeah, it's a bit of the a game, nice break almost. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, top, you know, I'd give it top marks because it does what it's supposed to do in terms of recreating that. As I say, it's not going to blow your mind, but it's just because it's because it's a simple thing rather than anything else. Um, it overall supports the whole. Um taking all the great ideas that have come before and refining them into a you know a, a nice easy flavorful way to play these particular scenarios that you you know and love from the books or the films i, yeah. I do really like that they, they basically they've not tried to reinvent the wheel they've just taken all of the great things they've done in the past and polished it up to a very high shine and it's just great fun to play yeah yeah and I, I wouldn't i wouldn't change anything in it i think the the changes they made the slight adjustment like making the sleeping thing um, as part of it rather than what seems like optional and uh, maybe it's just the way it's worded maybe it's not optional but in, in the previous one not supposed to be but by putting in those notes it seems strange and just just making sure that the hobbits wake up rather than stay asleep because you know it's a short scenario anyway you don't need to you don't want to make it a, a no game scenario in something that's going to be ridiculously short anyway so um, yeah really cool really really cool so the last game we played on that day um, was the was Shalob's Lair, um, and the first incarnation of that was in the Return of the King journey book. Um, before we get onto that, though, just just before that section in the journey book, there's actually a cool little painting guide for Frodo, um, including Frodo wrapped up in his spider webs um, for Sam. So the Sam from the Clutches of Shalob set as well, um, Shalob and Gollum. So it's quite nice. I mean, I'd already already painted the models and things, but they're really simple. There's not, there's not, there's hardly any words on them at all. There's more pictures and some, you know, paints that they don't have anymore. You'd have to use a conversion to work out what they are, but um, it's quite nice. And again, it's what journey books are all about. I suppose that's the one thing that's different now with the 
the newer books there's less of that kind of stuff in it they're not journey books there's, they've packed more rules content and more um scenarios in there which i'd rather have um but um it's still nice to look back at these older publications and, and see them so if you do have them go and have a look at the little painting guides because they're they cover the models that you'd need for these two scenarios that we're discussing today. But so it's scenario one is Shalob's layer. Um, and again, we, we know in the film what part of the film this is. So, um, so it's slightly different, I suppose, to the film because the, you, when you think of the, the fight in the film itself, you, I don't know about you, Dan, but I tend to think about Sam fighting Shalob with Frodo already wrapped up. But I suppose both of these scenarios, the older one and the new one, kind of pit it as one big, battle before uh, Frodo's been uh, been webbed, so to speak. Um, but the participants, as you'd imagine, are Frodo Baggins, Samwise the Brave with Elven Cloak. So, um, note, Frodo carries sting Frodo, that Frodo carries sting in this scenario, not Sam. So the good player should lower um, should use the lower Sam's two strength profiles. So this is obviously old old profiles. Um, evil, Shalob and Gollum. The layout is a four by four rather than a two by two. Um starting positions is Shalob's in the is placed in contact with the centre of the south side of the table edge. Good player then places Sam in base contact with the west centre table edge and Frodo is in the centre of the table. And then evil player places Gollum anywhere on the board, at least twelve inches away from another model. And I think it's identical in the in the newer one when we come up to it. Objectives to win the evil player must kill both the hobbits. The good player must kill either sh- um, Shalob, or more likely cause her pain enough to convince her to flee back to her lair. See Shalob's special rules. Alternatively, the good side wins if Frodo exits the table from the east table edge. So you're running away. Uh, special rules. Sam was the brave. Sam will always pass courage test in this scenario. Sam always um, also carries the, the file of Galadriel gifted to him. Um, gifted to Frodo. He causes terror. So that's the same as in the new one as well. Um... Not here, not so close to the eye. Frodo would not dare to put on the ring, so he can't use the ring. Sting, a bit of spite of the ancient. I won't read all the details for this because we'll cover it more in the newer one. But basically, um, if Sting um, blows from Sting that wounds Shalob automatically. If Frodo is slain, use the webbed Frodo as a marker and Sam can go and retrieve um, Sting as well. Um, and then Shadow Huntress, Shalob seeks defenseless and tasty morsels, not ones that fight back. Accordingly, she may not spend will points to pass courage tests. Um, so, and it gives a little, an alternative way of doing it with orcs instead of, um, 100 points of orcs instead of um, the the hobbits. So you can have Shalob hunting and, and munching orcs if you wanted to. But, but pretty straightforward um i'll leave dan to explain the new one which is what we uh what we actually played indeed so she loves lair from uh, quest of rainbow golem's plan to remove sam from frodo's side has succeeded frodo has believed golem's whispers in his ears that sam wants the ring for himself and has sent his friend home with sam gone frodo continues to climb the winding stair above minas morgul towards the path of kirith on gol and the, un- the unknown danger that lies within its dark and cobwebbed tunnels so Again, uh, we are looking at a larger board, so it's four foot by four foot. This board, mm-hmm. um, which we initially uh, we did raise an eyebrow on this one, but then we considered Shelob's movement. Yes, I think that's what it's about. 
Um, so we changed that. But should, we, should you read, read through it all as normal and then we'll discuss what adjustments we made to suit what we were doing on the day? Um, of course. So the, the layout, the board represents part of the high pass of Kirithongol and as such should be covered in various rocky outcrops, rock piles and large rocks that are impassable. Starting positions. The good player deploys Frodo in the centre of the board and then deploys Sam touching the centre of the western board edge. The evil player then deploys Shiloh touching the centre of the southern board edge. They then deploy Smeagol anywhere on the board, at least 12 inches away from any other model. So you're talking the same as before. To survive, the hobbits must find somehow must somehow fend off the vile creature, or they will soon find themselves as Shelob's next meal. The game lasts until one side has completed the objective. The good side wins if Shelob is slain or more likely flees the battlefield. The evil player wins if both hobbits are slain. So it literally makes no mention whatsoever of Gollum in this. So he is you can be as careless with him as you wish to be, which is yes. useful for later. Special rule, Sam wears the brave. Sam will automatically pass all courage tests in this scenario. Additionally, as Sam carries the vial of Galadriel, he causes terror. Uh, not here, not so close to the eye. Frodo may not put the ring on in this scenario. Shadowed Hunter. Uh, Sheila may, may not spend will points to pass courage tests in this scenario. And Sting. Strikes from Sting will automatically wound Shelob. If Frodo is slain, place a 25mm mark fell. If Sam moves into base contact with this marker, he may pick up and wield Sting from that point after. Participants is Frodo Baggins with Sting, Mithril Coat, and Elven Cloak. Sam with Elven Cloak, and Shelob and Smeagol make up the evil side. So, again, much like uh, the previous scenario, it's taking the very best of everything and polishing it up. Yeah. The special rules are identical, I believe. Obviously, the word is they're actually easier to read. There's a lot less words there and explain it in a better way, so they're much better written. Um, the couple of differences. So one of the, the objectives, you can't win by Frodo fleeing the board. Um, um, so that was one of the reasons why... You, well, basically, we, we played it on a 2x2 two two because we had the 2x2 two two mat that I've got set up with the camera fixed in place above it. And we played the other two scenarios, which are um, on 2x2 two two boards anyway. And it would have been a big faff to move it um, and get a, get it set up for a 4x4. Four four. And we also figured, because it was such low model count, that we might be, you know, we might still work nicely which i think it did so originally like sam was talking about uh, sam my god i'm losing this now but dan was talking about at the beginning and said that we thought we were surprised that it was a four by four we thought it would be on a smaller board and then we thought actually shalob moves 10 it's it's <laughs> we can't have it on a on two by two because shalob is going to be on frodo in no time whatsoever um so it does make sense that it's not a four by four i think because for, for that reason and also I suppose most people are set up to play on 4 by 4 boards anyway. Um, people have that. So if you've got a lot of spare space, then then it doesn't really matter. But I do think it's a shame sometimes when you've got nice low model count scenarios not to have them on smaller boards because it, it means you can move them to dining tables and things. People, Most people don't have four foot wide dining tables. And you see that with a lot of games like Kill Team and things like that, don't you? That They're designed to fit on in, in normal life a bit more. And it'd be nice to see a few more of these kind of things on... on um, sort of two by two boards i always said that with with battle companies and i haven't played it so it's a really just stupid thing to say but i always thought it'd be a shame with such low model count it's a shame they didn't make it all all the scenarios on smaller boards and really kind of go after that lunchtime kind of kill teams type market with it but that's a different subject um so as frodo didn't have to escape the board um, the only re the only real problem with that scenario being that shaylob moves 10 inches we thought well, what could we do um we just basically didn't let her move on that first turn, did we? That basically, we we figure that she's going to be moving towards the hobbits anyway. 
Um, so just act it as she's moved. Her first turn means she's moved to the edge of the board, um, which would be nearly nearly a foot's worth anyway. You'd be ten, ten inches worth. So it's not changing the scenario a whole load. Um, I don't know how much difference it will make. We'd have to play on a bigger board and compare, but uh, I don't think it made too much of a difference. What do you think, Dan? I, I don't think so in particular. Um, I would be interested to play it as intended mm-hmm. to see if it does make a huge amount of difference. Um, I think given her particular rules, the fact that she can literally scale anything, yeah. Um, still with the 10 inches on the 2x2 two two board, perhaps she had a slightly easier time of it than she should have done. But because yeah. obviously, if Frodo's dead center, she has to cover twenty-four inches, so that is two and a bit turns of uh, movement. Yes, yeah, when we could, so. have, yeah, there was we managed to kind of cut it back a little bit by saying that she—it's almost like she came onto the board edge at the end of that first turn, didn't she? Ready to move at the start of the next sort of thing. Yeah, and so we basically gave the the, the, the other models a free turn. The other thing I suppose it did, um, which aided the the hobbits, is that Sam starts right on that eastern board edge. Well, poor little because because Gollum can can be positioned twelve inches from any of them, and you ended up positioning kind of the northeast somewhere up the northeast side to cut off the one the one direction that they could go. If you wanted to move Frodo and Sam together, which just seemed to be the logical thing to do, you're going to end up playing in that northeastern corner, and so you position Gollum up up in that direction. Um, Sam, if Sam had to move, if Sam started hold two foot away from Frodo Frodo's in the middle of the a four foot board and he's moving four inches and Chalo's moving ten yeah six it's, turns even it's, with it's, you know yeah and that's the other clear ground and that was the other thing um, and it felt fine actually it didn't feel it felt like the, the the models got within range of each other at the right time it didn't feel wrong so so that's the other thing I think on a four by four board you're controlling two hobbits on a 4 by 4 board that start 24 inches apart. It's kind of like, ah, <laughs> how are we getting any neat? They kind of need to get together a little bit. Um, so all that would mean otherwise then is that because Sam, on a 4 by 4 board, Sam's so far away from, from Frodo and you can put Gollum 12 inches from him if you wanted to, where you could say, well, he's got no way of getting to Frodo before Gollum gets to him. Um, and then that means you just go right, Frodo. You're moving four, but Shadow's moving ten. I'm going to catch you. Um, so it might have gone on a little bit long. I don't know. It depends how you set up the, the other terrain and things. We tried to copy it, and I had some quite good rocky terrain that we nearly managed to copy it, didn't we? Um, yeah. But again, that. Close enough. But by copying it as well, you're also stopping Frodo from easily climbing over it to get away from 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 Sherlock as well. So they, I don't know. It's it's tougher on, but. How do the games go? <laughs> well, you tell people how you managed to get Sheila to run away. Um, well, I can't remember. You tell me. You threw rocks remember. at her. Oh, yeah, it was rocks, wasn't it? it you managed to throw I rocks at her. it was going to be Sting that did the job, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was rocks at the end. And we, yeah, I, oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. So, yeah, yeah it was. That was it. Was quite a weird end to the game because it was kind of it's quite well balanced, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, I was doing quite well with that to that point, and then you uh, just managed it. Always oh, six. The two games are kind of rolling together for me a little bit. But I think I feel that the hobbits were doing a good enough job 
just kind of drawing the combat or so not taking wounds kind of thing and being pushed back but keeping her at bay but didn't look like anything much was going to happen but then yeah Ruff, I forgot about the rocks thing see I'm well, I, got, I got Sam didn't I with Shelob because I stuck Gollum on to Frodo to keep yes. that sting away from Shelob yeah and then pounced on Sam and killed him off and then uh, yeah Frodo managed to uh, draw a rock at her yeah so I charged Sam in that direction and I say so I moved but when I knew that he wasn't going to get to Frodo in time I moved it down I just couldn't remember what all of those things happened and I think in the second game we played when I was evil I brought I managed to yeah I brought Gollum on from a different place yeah I brought Gollum on from the the only other side you'd probably do would be from the from the east side and move him towards Frodo the same time as well Mm -hmm. so to speak um just to make the game yeah you just you did and and then uh, stabbed shield with sting (laughs) yeah and and that works as well if you if you cause the wound i think in the um yeah i think the first game i did that just didn't i think frodo and i kept you from getting them together because it's the combination of terror from sam and sting you just wouldn't have and on the bigger table you'd just never have got there would they if you i just think on a four by four if you position Gollum right, you're never going to get them together. So yeah, I would see you, so you have to get lucky, and with a, like I did with throwing stones, um, and to 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 make Shadow run away. Essentially, you need, need to make her fail that courage test. Um, but yeah, this is just the safest way to do it. If you must imagine that Frodo uh, and Sam are creating their own Venn diagram, and it's the the point just above where the two circles join if you put him there yeah that's that's brilliant because he can prevent either one of them from reaching the other if he wishes to i mean she can run up and jump on someone yeah i should have taken some notes we said it we joked about it at the time so we're going to take some notes or do we want to record the uh talk about the game straight away and um well, i don't remember games very well i remember I had such a loose overview of games i forget all of the individual interactions always uh, marvel at people when they give their full rundown of games and I say oh, well, I rolled this and I rolled that and they talk about games and things that happen like years and years on like for me they become a bit blurry but <clears throat> I remembered the important things we didn't have to fuck well, it too did. much we I really enjoyed ourselves so <laughs> you, you remember more um, but um, I, I seem to remember that I remember the deployment <laughs> and the directions we moved but then after that point I can remember basically what happened but I can't remember which order those combats and things happened and how it happened but um I think this one's got re- replayability to it, though. Whereas I wouldn't really want to play Taming a Schmeagle with you again, so to speak, because I just think it would be a bit, a bit of a yawn. For the re- for the examples I gave of how you could play it, sort of introducing someone to the game, etc., great. Whereas this, I think different things can happen, um, and I would happily get the mat out and play this again because it's it's not a given is it as you as we saw from the two different results and i think you can get a number of different results as well you can even play with the deployment a little bit as well um and do different things with it but um yeah it'd be interesting to see if other people have played it and what kind of experiences they had with it and how they especially people that have played it on the four by four um how did you find it Cause we might just be worrying about nothing but it just feels like a very very long way for to get sam into the game um but I suppose maybe maybe that's the whole point. Maybe the point is is that Frodo is supposed to be under immense pressure, um, and Samwise with his causing terror and um, passing courage tests is is the the beast you need to run in and uh, run in and and sort of save the day. But I suppose when Frodo's got Sting, 
I I think that it's in, it's done to encourage you to actually get Frodo stung. Yeah, like he like he is in in the narrative. Maybe that's what it is. Both yeah, kit on Sam because Sam's got then he's got the power to do what he needs to to take on Shelob. But I suppose Sting's good enough that if you, well, that's the thing you win you win a combat and it can be game over, can't it? So it can, I think you can have lots of different outcomes, but um, it could yeah, take. I think quite it's a you while. need the terror to beat a fight. That's the thing. Yeah. It's a very interesting, really, really, really interesting scenario. There's a lot of, as you said, I think there's an awful lot more yeah, tactical you, opportunity in it. I think there's an opportunity to have a lot of fun and credit. I mean, you clobbering over stones, it was what? Fours to hit and six and six? Yes. Yeah, it you was. think you managed it? I couldn't believe that when the <laughs> dice came up. It's one of those things you thought, if you explained it to someone, they think you just fudged it for the narrative. Yeah. It's, it's such an otherworldly dice. It's good. I definitely have fun playing it again, and um, yeah, I think it's I think it's good. I I don't know whether I th- I've got a feeling it'll still work without. I don't know. Will it work without Gollum in there? I don't know. I think it becomes. What else? hard enough. Anyway. I quite like to play it without Gollum, but with Frodo already stung and wrapped up. Yeah, um, she with all the um, but, sorry, Samwise with all the kit, but without Sting. Maybe you have to get there and get Sting, so that kind yeah. of helps him a little bit. That kind of he may have to have to start closer so that she could. You know, if we start on a four by four board, um, Frodo in the middle, there might be a way of doing it so that so that Sam starts near enough that if he survives around a combat, he's able to get there or something. Um, but um, yeah, it's good fun, loads of fun doing it, and again, it's it's such a small part of a massive twenty eight scenario campaign really and you've got to look at it and view it within that context haven't you um it's not supposed to give you hours and hours of detailed fun it's supposed to be fun it's not supposed to be um necessarily balanced or something but i do feel i think if you're playing it as a full campaign there's an awful lot of campaigns that are going to come stuck on this scenario mm-hmm. it's definitely yeah. one of those pinch point scenarios i think for whether you actually get to finish it yeah it's true actually it could be could be quite tricky um, possibly not quite so much as um, doing the uh, the power of the ring. So you literally get to the final battle and then that's the end of it. You, you fail a dice roll, <laughs> everything's <laughs> over. Yes, that would be <laughs> quite bad. Vexing. <laughs> well, I suppose you can set your own save points, can't you? I know there are save points, but I suppose you can you can go redo what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of those sadists who like to play games on the, those settings where you get to you have to restart it if you die. Uh, I've done a few of those in the last couple of years because you know, life's not fun enough. Uh, so I think I want to try it. Well, Damien, you know, Damien, when Damien does this, he's doing it for his um his alternative fan, his alternative fellowship, isn't he? His fantasy fellowship. So I imagine playing. Can you imagine like playing for two years and building all the terrain and recreating the whole film and everything going to narrative until the end and then you're like oh, but you, you, you're playing that massive game and Frodo puts on a ring yeah oh dear anyway lots of fun doing it it's quite a short segment really um we're gonna we're gonna do a few more of these um 
We've got the next lot set up as time of recording. We haven't played them yet. Um, we're going to get together and um, play a few more of the scenarios. We'll be kind of wibbly-wobbly going back in time a little bit and going back towards uh, leaving the Shire and, and Bree and things. Um, but we're going to play a few more of those and we'll, we'll, we'll carry on doing um, these kind of little reports for a couple more shows yet because we're really enjoying this book and all the things that come with it. So... Um, do get in touch and let us know how you're getting on with the book, what you're building, what you're doing, whether you're playing games. And if you've played these scenarios, we'd like to know what your experiences were with them. Right, Dan, well, if you don't have anything to add at the end of that, um, let's go for a break. Hello and welcome to another heroic deathmatch and a bit of a fun one today. So this is going to be called Punch Up at the Pony. Uh, an angry Harry Goatleaf who has clearly been drinking on the job gets angry with Barnum and Butterbur for refusing to serve after his shift. Harry remonstrates that he will buy a meal with his ale, but Butterbur points out it's after 10pm. A scuffle ensues. Um, this, this is probably going to be... Topical. This is probably going to be a um, fairly uh, quick one, I imagine. Um, and there's n they're not very flashy um, heroes. Um, there's not a lot of special rules that we're going to be using at all. It's very, very basic. But as we've said many times before, heroic death matches for us to muck about and have a, have a bit of fun. So, and and that's what it is. It's at the end of a end of a long show always. So let's have some fun with it. So Dan, you're going to be Barnum. Do you want to just uh, introduce us to Barnum? I know we covered it in a, a couple of shows ago, but let's let's cover him again now anyway of course uh, the innkeeper of the prancing pony Barlam and Butterbur is a jolly and round-faced man who is constantly in high spirits he goes out of his way to help Frodo and his companions when they come to Bree ensuring they are sheltered and well fed even when his inn is all but full old Barlaman is an excellent judge of character and as they say in Bree can even see through a brick wall in time even when events in Bree grow dark and Sharky's ruffians are commonplace in Bree and the Shire, Barlaman remains loyal to his friends and other good-natured folk, though he will not hesitate to give troublemakers a swift clonk around the head with his cudgel if needs be. Barlaman Butterbur is a man and minor hero. He's an infantry model, and he's 40 points. He'd move 6, fight 3, 4+, plus, strength 4, defence... Sorry, do apologise. Strength 3, defence 4, 1 attack, 2 wounds, 4 courage, 1 might, 3 will, 2 fate. He carries a cudgel as a club. He has heroic resolve and heroic defence. His special rules are Barlam and Butterbur at your service. During his move phase, if Barlam and Butterbur is in best contact with a friendly hero model, he can spend a will point to use this ability. If he does roll a d6 on a 5+, the hero gains a wound lost earlier in the battle. If Barlam and Butterbur uses a special rule on hero from the Fellowship Army list, they will gain a lost wound on a 4+, instead. Not relevant, but still very cool. Bill the Pony. You may include Bill the Pony at the same force as Barlam and Butterbur, as if he was part of Barlam's warband, even if your force doesn't include Sam. If Bill the Pony is taken as part of Barlam's warband, then he will only cost 10 points rather than the usual 25. Additionally, Barlam may benefit from Bill the Pony's official meals and second breakfast special rule. And Barlam is a historical ally with a fellowship, a convenient allies with many others, and impossible allies with even more. So that's Barlaman. <laughs> Absolutely. So we are covering something that we've only recently kind of reviewed, but um, just I'm not reading all those armies out. No, no, no. no I, I won't do the same for Harry, but just thought it's worth covering over more than just his basic profile line for people that listen to shows out of order. Harry Goatleaf is an old man of Bree and has held a position of gatekeeper for many years within the village. It is the job of the gatekeeper to keep an eye on those that enter 
into the village and to ask questions after nightfall of those he does not know in order to keep troublemakers and unsavoury-looking folk at bay. Though his role within Bree was originally for the good of the people, Harry Goatleaf was eventually turned by greed, joining Sharky's cause in bullying the hobbits of the Shire. So Harry Goatleaf is a man, ruffian, infantry, minor hero at 40 points. Move 6, fight 3, 4, strength 3, defence 3, 1 attack, 2 wounds, courage 3, 1 might, 3 will, 1 fate. Um, he has a dagger and a lantern. Um, the lantern won't be any use in this um, little matchup today, but it's passive. It's an area of 12-inch radius of Harry Goatleaf is illuminated as if it were daylight. Models within this area can be seen clearly, unless another special wood rule would prevent them from doing so. I can't remember which podcast I was listening to, one of the many awesome SVG ones out at the moment, but someone mentioned that that kind of goes against sort of um, modern, um, or any kind of tactical warfare, really, that you'd be lighting up. When it's when it's dark and you hold the light, people can see you, but you can't see them. So he's just kind of made himself into a bit of a target. Obviously, that's not the way it's going to work in game, but I thought it was quite a good point. Um, uh, special rules, gatekeeper. As the gatekeeper to Bree, it is Harry's job to allow friendly travellers through the gates while keeping any troublemakers out. During the priority phase, after priority has been rolled, Harry Goatleaf may spend a point of will to use this special rule. If he does so, select one enemy inventory model within six inches of line of sight of Harry Goatleaf and roll a d6. On a 3+, the chosen model cannot move that turn. They can still do anything else they would normally be able to do. Harry may use might to influence this role. Monster models are unaffected by this special rule. So allies, Harry Goatleaf can either be taken good or an evil model. If it's good, he can be taken as historical allies with fellowship and convenient allies with quite a lot of other things. And if he's evil, basically, which is where he's going to be used, um, he's a hero of fortitude and may be taken as part of Sharky's rogues army list and may be included in the Chief Ruffians of Legendary Legion. So... This should be. I quite like that they've uh, covered that because it actually answers a question about the movie. Does a full war horse with a ring wraith on it plus a gate kill <laughs> Harry Goatleaf? Turns out, no. <laughs> mm, I, I, yeah, I always assumed he was dead. Um, it was just one you of always things. kind of hope, don't you? I just don't know how a, 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 an old man with, you know, he's, he's probably got, not got the best diet as he, he's got brittle bones and things. That's quite, it's quite a feat to walk away from that. The only thing I can say that maybe the mud from all that heavy rain was that soft and wet that there was a Harry Goatleaf impression in the ground when they removed the door and it kind of <laughs> took the uh, took the brunt of the weight as he sunk into it. But anyway, um, right. Should we get on with it? I just realised while I've set my camera up so that you can see the dice tray, I can't see the screen um, because we're doing the, the secondary part of this, the video for the dice trays over Messenger. You, you're just going to have to tell me what you rolled. I, I believe you. Right. <laughs> um, so um, I I don't have anything heroic-wise, um, so um, I won't be doing anything particularly on my list. I well. think you would be foolish to use your one might to do a heroic defence um, for a fight three, strength three dude that's the same as you do you want to kill. I think that would be foolish. So I think we're going to yeah. be, be straight up rolling here. So you, let's go for it. So... Ooh, I've rolled a one, Ooh, so um, unless you've rolled six. a one. Big fat six, right. So, you are wounding on a four, I believe. You are... I am indeed. Strength, strength three versus strength tough, three. Uh, defensive three. Defensive three, yep. A two, unfortunately, so I can't even might that away, so it's back to the old uh, strikes. Strike, oh, no, maybe. sorry, duel. Duel, here we go again. Five. Uh, a three, and so you'll be striking again. 
Oh, a nice big fat six for the nice old uh, wounds six. on my strike. So, uh, so fate check that fate out. No, and he's deaded. No, he's got two wounds, mate. We're, we're still going. Oh, God. I just assumed he was one wound. I think he probably should be. Right. That's why the door didn't kill him. <laughs> we a two. Again. Oh, I've got a two as well. Um, we've so it's 50-50. Mm -hmm. Do I want to mite it without forcing you to use your might as well? No. So 50-50. Oh, who's evil? You, you've got to be good. Uh, you're evil, good. so off you go. Give it a roll. Oh, dear. A five is good. good. To you. All right, four plus, and he's uh, clobbered him. It's a five, and he has put that cudgel where the sun doesn't shine. He always lantern doesn't shine even. <laughs> so he hasn't put the lantern. No, I suppose it will matter. Um, <laughs> one way to extinguish it. Um, yeah, we didn't really talk about what we expected. I think my expectations of this were pretty low. Um, I think, I think Barlowman having one extra fate and wounding one better would have, you know, even though they're both forty-point models. Um, gave them the slight advantage um, but other than that their, their um, profiles apart from courage which doesn't matter in this are pretty much identical um, I'd say Harry's strength is taken as Sharky's rogues and gaining that fortitude that's what you're paying for isn't it I think prof yeah. aside from that um, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's a little expensive for his profile and his special rules I, I would say I'd say it's the, the hero of fortitude in him that makes him makes him good um, let's be honest you're paying 25 points for Barlow and Butterbear because you're not going to not take Sam uh, sorry Bill no. so basically no, he's God, 25 no. points normally yeah. so he effectively makes Barlow and 25 points yeah, yeah, absolutely. I say, I mean, that one makes it even better. Makes the swing even better for for, for Barman in terms of sort of value. Um, I mean, obviously, there's there's thematic reasons to take these, but if we were to duck into that uh, often un, untrodden area of uh, slightly more competitive gaming that we don't often speak about because neither of us knew really how to do it properly, <laughs> um, those are reasons to take them. Yeah, as far as I, can I think see. we touched on that a little bit when we when we reviewed the book. But that absolutely, that's um, um, I think for me, Barlaman has his definitely has his uses there. And in in in, a, in an already weak ish ruffians legendary legion and list, um, you're going to be taking him, I imagine. Um, whereas if you have better options in your list, like many or most other factions do, he might not be. He doesn't stand up against some of the other things that have been released recently, so to speak. But they're there for, you know, these guys, I think, they're there for the, the primarily for the narrative side of the game rather than, uh, I mean, Bonneman's carrying a, two beers and a, and a plate with some meat and cheese on, for God's sake. It's not, you know, he's not designed to be the next, um, <laughs> the next major thing in match play gaming, is he? It's definitely not the focus for, for him at all. But that was, that was cool and expected. And and my and, second victory. And your second victory. I see. That's, and, and, and I suppose they're pretty even. I say, maybe you shouldn't always take the underdog, you see. It does show. It's worth, worth you taking, Worth you taking the... Uh, <laughs> the yeah, profiles. well, you painted, Harry. That's kind of where I went with it, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered at all. It's, <laughs> nice, it's nice, nice for you to see that my dice didn't roll only sixes today, so you don't think they're dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know they're dodgy. Just maybe they're not dodgy enough to get past your bad rolling this evening. Just letting you have a few. That's all. Just letting you have a few wins. Oh, I see. Yeah, take it away from me. Why don't you? <laughs> You can beat me in all the real games. Um, right, so we will take a break and come back and close the showdown.
And here we are at the end of another show and uh, I've just come to say goodbye. So, uh, Dan, have you got anything to say to our lovely listeners before we let them go? Aside from the usual uh, goodbye, um, there's also the usual uh, Legion of Peterborough Wargamers on uh, Facebook. Give us a search, give us a like, uh, join us, join in the fun. Um, we are tentatively meeting at the moment. Um, we are in the bottom rung of the COVID tiers for those in the UK. For anyone outside of the UK, it means that uh, we're less locked down than other parts of the country. Um, so we are still able to meet. Um, I haven't been for a couple of weeks. Life has got in the way. But uh, if you do fancy a game and you're in the local area, while things permit, obviously we don't know what life's going to be like even by the time this is released. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, pop on there and uh, see what's about. If not, then it's a good community with lots of people doing lots of different games, lots of different hobbies, including Middle Earth. So uh, lots to see, lots to do, and uh, it's a nice community. Absolutely. That's about it. Yeah, well, the guys I've met that have come to the uh, Heresy events we used to run are all, all good blokes. So um, definitely a, a group. Even Alex. Good. Even Alex, yeah. Even Alex, who's going to be still coming along to Flotsam and Jetson. So uh, when it happens next year, the spare player that was never needed. Um, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, but just um, as, as you alluded to, um, things are uh, you know, looking, well, I was going to say hotting up again a little bit. I suppose if you look at it, the, the map of the UK as a heat map at the moment, then uh, the heat map is closing in, isn't it? Um, so, uh, yeah, but, but um, game responsibly. I suppose the only thing I'll say about that, I don't want to go into detail, that um, if you are, uh, you know, finding it tough at the moment or... Um, struggling a little bit because it's it's definitely not easy for people under these conditions and some people in the UK are living under a lot, lot tighter conditions than others there's all kinds of worries whether that be financial or health etc um, talk to someone um, it doesn't have to be us or something but make sure you do if you're feeling down and you're not really feeling like you've got no one to turn to do talk to someone there's lots of help out there it's challenging times for everyone um, and we all feel it at times so uh, yeah don't suffer alone please get in, get involved and, and reach out to someone anyway moving away from that more somber point um yeah thanks very much for listening again um as i said before please get in touch with us if you would like to have any suggestions for the show if you'd like to uh, comment on anything we said um help me with my camera settings to make my autofocus better um get involved <laughs> with our uh, social media so we can join our uh, like our facebook page join our facebook group follow us on instagram at OOTFP podcast and on Twitter OOTFP. You can email us directly at OOTFP podcast at gmail.com and don't forget to check out the YouTube channel as well. And if you haven't um, seen the Peyton video, go and have a check. I think it's about 90 minutes long. Um, you know, you, this, this, I speed it up a little bit, um, but basically I'm talking through the process that I've been using the Xenothor highlighting that I've talked about before on the show um, and using contrast paints to provide that base and, and shadow layer and then halo highlighting on the top afterwards. Um, it, the, the stuff on there I think will be useful for multiple levels of painting. So if you're the kind of person that's a, a kind of base layer and wash kind of guy or gal, then um, I think you can still kind of look at the processes I use for the kind of the Xenothor highlighting and, and doing those base layers with the contrast and and, and just stop there. Um, but it shows you after what you can do as well. And it's, it's not, it's very much a tabletop painted miniature. So I only spent a couple of hours doing it, but I think it's a good tabletop quality. And I think it shows that you can produce something fairly quickly, but um, get better standard or better quality finishes than some people may assume when using contrast as part of your, uh, your tools. But uh, yeah, head over 
to the channel and, and watch some of the videos. There will be some, there's some more planned soon. I'm actually going to start building Smaug soon. So there's going to be some videos for that as well. So along with all the other stuff I'm doing. So thanks for listening again. Take care and we will see you soon for another episode. Ah!